Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Tuesday, December 3rd. As I mentioned yesterday, it is now December, which means we at Cracked Rackets can take some time not only to reflect on the 2019 season, but because it will be upon us before we know it, look ahead to the 2020 season. That's what we're going to be doing all this month, looking at the various aspects of tennis that we thought were you know, the most important parts of 2019, using what we learned from that to preview what we expect to see in 2020. And as you listeners of the mini break know, on Tuesday, what part of the tennis world do we look at? College tennis. We are continuing our college contenders series this week, looking at the number six team from last year's year-end men's NCAA team rankings. Joining me to break down that team, you know him as a writer at our website, CrackedRackets.com, where he has his write-up every Tuesday of this series. We're talking about college contenders. Uh, The co-host, of the Wednesday Mini Break Podcast with Jamie McDonald. I affectionately refer to him as Matt the Crack Sekoyak. Matty, welcome back. How was your Thanksgiving? What's going on, Gruskin? It was good, man. I'm just, I'm gaining pounds by the day, um, which is not (laughs) good, but I definitely enjoyed it. Um, You know, and it's nice to come back after a little break. So I'm ready to roll, man. A rare week off for you. It must have, yeah, you must have piled on extra time for cranberry sauce. Uh, That's right. That and a, a lot of other things as well. (laughs) (laughs) I can only imagine well join you know speaking of a lot of other things there are so many things to cover on a college tennis team preview that we like to add a third member to this holy trinity to do these preview podcasts joining us now the forefather of the college tennis ranks.com formula predictions that are never far from the listed UTR and of course one of the many dames who now roots for the Liberty Flames Chris Hallioris welcome back to the mini break how was your Thanksgiving Oh, it's fantastic, Alex. I uh, appreciate it. And, uh, you know, your, your intros are epic, and our loyal listeners undoubtedly look forward to your rhyme. But my participation's been lacking, and I think it's about time. Oh! I could not be more happy to be a Liberty Slappy, but I'll still find room to be mean to your beloved Michigan Wolverine. Now, my appearance <laughs> on your show draws many a college tennis fan we know, but there's just one that I love who thinks I'm the bomb. Why, yes, of course, Alex. It's your mom. <laughs> oh, that is... <laughs> my stuff, I need an immediate round of applause. Oh, my God. Chris, see, this is why we bring you on. Third member of the Holy Trinity. That was... Well done, Chris. Well done. I am tipping my cap to you right now. Oh, yeah, as, as, as I was making the 15-hour drive... Uh, to uh, to Mississippi State and back from uh, grabbing some of the guys for Thanksgiving so they could spend it here. I had plenty of time to uh, to ponder and come up with a good uh, a, a good retort for uh, Alex's uh, <laughs> common intro. So uh, so that that was my time well spent. <laughs> 
Oh, I'll say this. I was giving thanks for all of the uh, many podcast guests who have been kind enough to come on the pod over the past year or so this Thanksgiving, but I'm glad to see you finally made your first contribution to the show, Chris. That was yeah. wonderful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, no, I know you had an active Thanksgiving. You continued our College Contenders Mississippi State preview at your house, getting the full scoop on the team. Any uh, juicy insights you got from the guys who are still in Starkville? Oh, well, no. Nah, I mean, we, uh, we, we, I think they try to avoid talking tennis. It's, a, it's inevitable. But, uh, you know, we try to avoid that as much as possible and get them into get, – just get them into having fun. And uh, it, was, it was a good time. Lots of basketball, football, you know. We do a we do an annual go karting thing with them, and those ah, those Germans are just too good driving. I mean, it's ridiculous. <laughs> no, I'm good. You took it some time off from talking tennis. Matt took some time off from talking tennis. You guys are fresh for our episode today, and that is why I'm excited to be back again. We will be doing this every Tuesday till we get through these top ten rankings right around the start of the dual match season. And before we begin today's podcast, Westoff, can I get a college contender sound effect, please? So, Matt, Chris, listeners, the team we will be talking about today that ended the year ranked number six at the end of the 2019 season, the Baylor men's tennis team. Baylor, of course, last season, the first year under their new head coach, Brian Bolin, known, uh, obviously, for me being his biggest slappy, probably for you podcast listeners, uh, but also for his success at Virginia, winning four championships in five years there. He had taken a break from the college tennis world, him coming back to Baylor, a huge story entering last season. And Matt, you know, given that it was their first year under a new head coach, I thought last year went about as well as could be expected for the Baylor Bears. Yeah, no, I completely agree. They had a really, really good year. And, I mean, we know Coach Boland, like, he, he's going to produce, right? No matter where he goes, he's just – he's one of the best there is. So, um, you know, we, we expected him to do well. But, um, you know, Baylor 25-6 and six overall uh, made the quarterfinals at the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, really, and in the beginning of the year, it started out well. They got a couple good wins at the ITA kickoff weekend over Georgia and your Michigan Wolverines. Sorry, Gruskin, but – um, it, it had to be done there. And so they, you know, they go to national team indoors. They win one match there. They do beat Mississippi state. Sorry, Chris. Um, but again, <laughs> we're just all taking shots at each other. We yeah. must've really missed one another. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. No, no. So, so they get a win there over, a, obviously a really, really good MSU team. Um, you know, and of course some other good wins, but then, you know, you look down the line and in the big 12, it's always tough, right? But they win the tournament. Um, they're able to beat Texas in the finals there, who obviously Texas being the defending national champion. So huge win, um, you know, and then they get to the NCAA tournament and, you know, beat your Wolverines again in the second round before beating UCLA in the super regional, uh, which was a great win. UCLA tough team, um, you know, and then it, it went a little downhill in the quarters against Florida. But, you know, at that point, Florida was obviously one of the favorites to win the whole thing. So with all that being said, I mean, 25 and six overall, they go 16 and zero in Waco at home. Um, I thought it was a great year for them. Yeah, and one of the things you did mention when they came to Michigan and beat my Wolverines uh, early in the year, they had Roy Smith, who of course ended 2018 by winning the Houston Challenger. He was playing number one singles for them, looked really good at the start of the year indoors particularly, given he's a big lefty, big serve, athletic guy. Uh, And then, you know, they lost him 
right around you know the start of the indoors he made the decision he stepped away from the team and he never came back he went pro and of course everyone has that own right to do whatever they want uh, but for Baylor that they lost a player of his caliber their number one singles player and barely missed a beat that's a testament to a coach Boland being able to team that uh, keep that team together but b the amount of talent they had on the roster last year uh, and Chris y- you know you look at that team because sans Roy Smith they still had Johannes Schredder at number one singles he had been a top 40 player over the past couple of years they still had Jimmy Bendek who had been you know rose all the way up to number one in the college uh, ranks in doubles uh, they also had Will Little just a rock solid number four singles player for them last year this was a really talented team that lost a lot that loses I should say a lot of talent yeah that, yeah they're absolutely losing losing a fair amount there and then of course you know last year obviously they they had been trying to get uh, Juan Benitez back as well and that was never able to never able to happen so yeah you look at that team that, that lost to, to Florida uh, in the NCAAs there and think well you know, had they had they had Roy Smith uh, and or Juan Benitez with them, that could have been a totally different story for them last year. But it's going to be a, definitely a different year for them this year uh, it, with with what they've got. You know, they've got a couple uh, a couple coming in uh, hopefully, and uh, and then with what they've lost, obviously those are those are some key losses. With you know, Bendek more in doubles than anything else. He kind of you know he saw didn't always see singles time, but he was always a stalwart on the doubles court. Uh, as was little and sh- were little and shredder, you know, pretty much primarily at the at the one and four spots for them last year. So it's it, they've got some holes to fill for sure this year. You just to round out again last season, they do make that NCAA quarterfinal, but before that, they won the Big Twelve Conference Championship, knocking off soon to be NCAA men's tennis champions, the Texas Longhorns, in the final. So yes, with those two losses, I think things went about as well as possible for Coach Boland's Baylor Bears. And as you mentioned, as you look to this season and the roster. Uh, yeah, in losing Jimmy Bendek, you lose a guy who with Sven Law went 28-7, and but 15-5 and in dual matches at the number one position last year. Shredder alongside Franzen, who they get back, went 10-2 and at three doubles. Will Little alongside, uh, I believe, Johannes, or just a bunch of different people. Uh, him and Soto, uh, him and Matthias Soto, the most, went 8-4 and four at two singles. And then, yeah, you mentioned it, uh, just replacing wins. 12 wins from ben- Jimmy Bendek at six last year. Eight wins from Shredder at one singles. But just for Shredder to stay alive in so many matches was so crucial for their team. Give them someone to step up and allow them to keep their depth once they lost Roy Smith. And yeah, when you, you know, matches at the highest levels are won at the four through six positions and Will Little did a lot of winning last year five and one at three singles six and one at four singles that's a lot to lose so I guess my second question uh to you Chris you mentioned that roster they bring back and the new talent uh what does that look like for the listeners who are curious well obviously it starts right at the top with the big question on everybody's mind and that is 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 Jensen Brooksby coming in January right so uh and I haven't heard that he's not, you know, I, I think most of us kind of thought it with all the success he'd had, it would be a foregone conclusion that he would, uh, he would go turn pro and be gone. But uh, I mean, everything I'm hearing says he's coming now and that'll be huge for them. So let's, let's just say that he is there. Uh, he's, he's got to be playing one and then you've got uh, re- returning. You've got Soto who played two last year. He'll still be there. And then, uh, then a couple in the middle that were, that were solid, solid form last year and Sven law and, and, uh, Adrian Boyton, 
Boyton hits a big, big ball, and they could probably play those guys in either order. But Sven La has had just a tremendous ball, and I don't know how you, uh, you know, how you don't play him up. Although Boyton hits so big, it would be easy to play him at three. Uh, and then you've got the, you know, then you've got the guys that have to come in. You get Ryan Dickerson after taking a medical last year, transfers over from Duke. Finn Bass, who's now uh, would, did not play last year, came in with Boyton, but didn't play. He's healthy. And then you've got, uh, you know, Franson as well. So uh, my guess is we probably see, you know, Dickerson and Bass filling in uh, in the in the five six spots for him. But it's, I mean, they're, it, they're solid down down to six. When we talked about UNC, Matt, we mentioned the fact that they have the options of Blumberg and Seguin and Rinky and just Pack Cernok, uh, so much depth, one through five. And, you know, I the Brooksby question aside, you look at this roster and, you know, Chris mentioned it in Matthias Soto, they got a guy who went 18 and five in dual matches last year, 12 and two at the two singles position. Uh, now, if he has to play one where he went two and two last year, that may be a different story, but he certainly earned his stripes last year. And then, as you mentioned, a guy in Sven La who went 22 and four during the dual match season last season. Uh, Boy 10 went 16 and four during the dual match season uh even without the new additions matt where do you stack up this baylor team in terms of returning talent because even though they lose three guys they still do have a lot of players coming back they do i mean it's a good nucleus when you look at soto and law i mean two juniors their experience they've played in big time matches um so you know they're not going to be phased by anything boyton obviously had a great freshman year i mean i don't think any of us thought he was going to do as well as he did um, so I think the three of them make up a good, you know, nucleus. Um, Dickerson, obviously coming over, he's experienced. He's played a bunch. Um, he can he can be serviceable in the lower part of the lineup, five six. Um, he's just going to grind away and give it everything he's got. Great attitude there. So from a leadership standpoint, I think he can bring a lot to this team. Um, so yeah, no, I mean you you mentioned it, Gruskin. I mean the nucleus is there. It's a very very solid team overall I like the talent they've got but at the end of the day for me Jensen Brooksby man I mean it all comes down to him I just he's the biggest wild card I think that could make or break it for the Bears so we should do this now. Let's just do it. Um, and look, we have the opportunity, as I've mentioned, with these College Contender Series. We've had the chance to talk to all of these coaches of the teams we've discussed, and we get to follow up with questions. And, you know, we are going to be interviewing Baylor head coach Brian Boland tomorrow night, Chris and myself, and it would be journalistic male practice. Not that what we really do is journalism, although it sort of is. That's a conversation for another time. Um, but you know, we will ask him about Jensen Brooksby. We will get a definitive answer from the man who is running the ship at Baylor. So this is all speculation moving forward. Um, But yeah, he's listed on the website right now on the roster. He had, you know, this is a guy who won matches at this year's U.S. Open. This is a guy who you look at the ITF rankings right now. uh, He's ranked number 266. He went 27 and 11 this year with a lot of challenger uh, results under his a belt as well as three futures titles. So, you know, Chris, I, I guess to turn this to you, you mentioned you you haven't heard anything, but if they get a player of Brooksby's caliber with the nucleus that Matt just mentioned, I mean, this team rockets to certainly top five status, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I think they're there. You have, I mean, as Matt said, it, it comes down to, to Brooksby. They've got to have him. Now, they're going to be good regardless, right? But if they want to contend for the title, they've got to have him. Their top four with him are going to be right there with anybody. And then it comes down to, I mean, there's just a, 
there's a significant drop from their one through four to five, six. So you've got guys, you know, uh, as you love to, to kid me about the my my UTR, uh, my love for UTR. <laughs> I was going to ask, where did the new I guys knew, stack knew, up on the UTR? Yeah, I knew you'd ask, but but yeah, I mean, all <laughs> those top four. Well, Brooksby's you know almost a fifteen, but the other three guys at two, three, and four are all hovering right around a fourteen. They're high thirteens, right? And then you're dropping to like twelve nine to thirteen at five six, which uh, is respectable. But it's you know it's not top five. So you look at the other schools you're talking about playing with, like Florida, North Carolina, uh, USC. If you're wanting to be with those three that I think we've kind of got as the as the favorites, and five six is not there with them. But uh, but those top four, I mean, play, you know there aren't a lot of schools that are going to field four guys that are at, right at fourteen or near uh, at that point. So they're going to be very solid if they've got Brooksby at the top four, and if they don't. Their top three are still going to be very solid. It's just now they're going to have an extra spot to fill instead of being five, six as kind of respectable and 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 will hold their own. Now it's going to have to be four, five, six, and that's that'll get tough. Chris, I'll get back to you on the UTR uh, assessment of this question in a second. But Matt, as you were writing your college contender preview, you mentioned the guy a guy earlier, Ryan Dickerson. They also bring back Constantine Franzen, uh, as you mentioned. Finn Bass uh, is on this roster as well. So looking through again, with or without Brooksby, those bottom two three positions, is this a case where they've got four guys, you know, competing for a couple of spots? Is this a case where you know you think the order is going to be pretty? clear of who's going to get into the lineup and who's not no I don't think it's that clear cut I mean when you look at Fronson you look at Dickerson you look at Bass um, I mean those are all guys that I mean I don't want to say they're interchangeable but depending on you know who's playing well at the time um, matchups I think all that can factor in I, I don't think it's clear cut in those lower positions like number five number six um, I just I don't see that much separation there where we can just clearly say you know, okay, for sure, Dickerson's five, you know, Bass six. I just, I don't think it's that clear cut. So I think, I mean, I think Boland has some options there, which, you know, could work to their advantage depending on what team they're playing um, and, and who's hot at the time. Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. He'll certainly have options if Brooksby's there, no doubt, because as you mentioned, with Brooksby, the core three are returning. That's four guys who are going to play some order in the top four. Uh, But as you're sorting out not only that order in the top four, but the bottom of the lineup as well, Chris, uh, you mentioned the UTRs, but as you looked at their summer and fall results, were there any guys in particular who stuck out to you as, oh, maybe that's the way Boland will go, go, whether in singles or in doubles? Well, you know, I, I kind of think Finn Bass is going to see the lineup no matter what. I mean, he's had he, – he didn't – he I think he was a Boland. He and Boyton were both kind of ads last year that I think probably came from Boland. He he had to take a year off, but he was there. He was there. Um, he's he's played – he beat both of the France and boys uh, in a money tournament earlier this year. 
he played a he played a good match with Sven Lai. Played a good match with Alfredo Perez in the fall. So I mean, he's been solid. He he hasn't quite put the results up, but I think he's going to find his way in the lineup. Um, and then I think and I think it kind of probably comes down uh, to Dickerson and Franson for for the other spot. Uh, and and I just don't you know I I honestly don't know what kind of after after the year off what kind of match shape uh, Dickerson's in and uh, you know and and Franson he knows well at least the the older Franson he knows you know Boland will know well he had him all last year so uh, he knows what he's going to get from him and and I think that'll be a, a good healthy competition for for that spot. Here's what's interesting though, guys. Um, let me just say this in doubles. Baylor's losing three out of their six from last year. So obviously, you know, Alex mentioned, um, um, not Little, uh, Bendek. Jimmy Bendek, who was a standout in doubles. Um, and then you have Will Little and, and Johannes Schredder. Those are three guys that are now gone. The doubles lineup's going to be interesting, you know, because if this team wants to win doubles points, I think Bolin's going to have to figure some things out there. I, you know, I don't know if their doubles lineup is clear-cut whatsoever. Yeah, and looking through their summer results in terms of their total records, uh, the the people we know in the lineup, Boy Ten went three and three, Soto five and four, Sven Law really standing out an eleven and four record in singles through the fall and the summer. Uh, but the other guys, fr- the Francins, uh, the older one six and six, Christopher a freshman, the younger one seven and six, Dickerson went six and four, Rahul Dokia, who we haven't mentioned, also went six and four. So nothing really stands out there. But you talk about the doubles results in finding new teams. Look, Sven La, as a former number one doubles player in the country, he's going to have success probably no matter who he plays with. Uh, him and Fronson went 5-2 and two so far through the, the fall and summer. Him and Dickerson went 2-1. and one. Dickerson also went 6-2 and two in Soto, so he's had uh, a lot of success doubles-wise. And then, you know, Fronson and Soto, 4-1, and one, the younger uh, Fronson with the older Fronson, 2-1. and one. So you can tell Coach Bolin's flexing the different pairings, trying to figure out what works. I do think... Uh, Chris, that he will find. I, I mean, I do think this is a case where he has six, maybe seven guys at, at a minimum to fill out his roster. You know, with Brooksby, then it's maybe seven, eight guys, and now you really have options. Yeah, he, oh, he's he's going to have options. He, no, no matter what, even if he doesn't have Brooksby, he's still got a couple options. It's not just it's not dead set there. And yeah, and I think to, to Matt's point, seeing some of the doubles lineups will will be interesting. I mean, they've, they've had a couple like Constantine Franson played, he played all Americans with, with Soto. And I think they won the first four matches there. And then, uh, and then he turns around and goes to regionals and plays with Sven La and they win like three matches there. So um, I, they've, they've been trying some different double pairings out. So it'll be, it will definitely be interesting to see how they come into the season and what they, what they start. And if he's still kind of tinkering with it, or if he's, if he's got a pretty good idea already. I can see a world where Brooksby shows up, plays one singles, but doesn't crack the doubles lineup until he gets, you know, that rhythm under him. That that could happen easily. Yeah, I feel like that's not crazy because you're right. This is a, a very talented roster and Matt in terms of projecting the lineup uh, for the season. Do you have any sort of feel of what it's going to look like or is it? I mean, I know how Brooksby dependent it is, but outside of that, what are you looking at? Yeah, no, I mean, assuming Brooksby, if we pencil him in for sure at number one, um, I'd put Soto at two. You know, he played there last year, like Chris mentioned, he did well. Um, I think he's a good option there. And then probably based on recent 
uh, results, you maybe try Sven La at three and then Boyton at four. But again, I think Chris said it earlier, those two could really be flipped. I mean, I know Boyton had some experience at number three last year as well. So um, either way you go there, it's not going to be, you know, a, a problem. I think that's a good issue to have for Coach Boland um, at three and four. And then again, five and six. I mean, Finn Bass... Yeah, I, I agree with Chris. I mean, he's going to find his way into this lineup for sure, whether that's at five or six. Um, and then that last spot, I mean, I'd like to see my boy Ryan Dickerson get it, man. I really do. I mean, I know him well. He was obviously at Duke. Um, he, he's a good guy, and he's going to just absolutely give it everything he has. I love the way he plays the game. Um, so I, I'd love to see him in there to round out that six, assuming that Brooksby you know, does show up, which I don't think he will. Chris, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm there. I think it's the same. I, I think you got Brooksby Soto. I think even though Sven Law has clearly had the best fall of anybody on the team uh, and would be well-deserving of playing, uh, playing three or even possibly two, had better results even than Soto did, um, I still think you play Boyton at three and Law at four. Boyton's just got a big 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 game and he can hit with the bangers and 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 you're gonna probably from a lineup perspective fare better uh letting putting him at three and lot four uh then i think uh i i think bass five and then i'm and i'm with matt and i think dickerson will probably be able to find himself in the sixth spot but you got dickerson and fronson and really both fronsons i don't know how uh yeah i haven't seen uh christopher play so i don't know know how his game looks but um you know, I think I think Dickerson has shown uh, shown some good things in the falls. I mean, look at the Texas regionals. Uh, you know, Dickerson won a won a couple matches and then goes and plays Luke Famba from TCU, uh, and we know you know the kind of game he's got. He loses seven five in the third to Famba. So he's clearly, if he can play at that level, he's got to be in the lineup. So I think we probably see him in the lineup. Uh, you know, and and if he stays there, will be dependent on how how he plays. And he'll and it'll be a good competition with the with the Francins uh, for that for that spot, I think. Yeah, and look, you talk about the schedule for this Baylor team this year. Um, they have the opportunity to host a regional, given the way they finished last season. But it's no slim pickings. You know, they are going to go to Wake Forest, or they have Wake Forest coming to them, I should say, in February. They are also uh, going to Illinois, to Arizona State. They're bringing Columbia home to them. Uh, and then they have a Big 12 conference where, you know, it's only six teams. So each match counts that much more in the Big 12. You only have five of them. And as we've talked about through our, our preview, we've talked about TCU. There's obviously the defending uh, men's champion in Texas. Chris has talked about Texas A&M as well. Uh, but given the talent they have at Baylor, uh, I know they will have some time to play around with the lineup and figure things out. But, you know, Chris, they're going to have to figure things out uh pretty quickly right because this big 12 is as we've mentioned stacked oh from the big 12 perspective yeah absolutely i mean between the between baylor tcu and texas i mean that those those three are just going to be you know the certainly battling it amongst themselves in in the regular season and they'll turn around and do the same thing in the in the conference but you know they've as you said they've got a while because because of the small small number of matches in the conference they don't get started you know they only play one match in march uh conference match that is and then the, the rest of it's carried over into into april so they've they've got quite a while before they get there yeah maybe 
the match at Arizona State. Um, you know, Arizona State's got a bunch of new guys that, you know, depending on how some of those guys fare, they may be able to uh, to give them a contest. Columbia certainly could give them a contest. Now, uh, that match is at uh, Baylor, so the, an advantage there. And then they've got a match uh, at Illinois. So at Illinois in February, certainly that's an indoor match. You know what it's like indoors at Illinois. Uh, so, so that'll be, that'll be a very interesting one to see. Other than that, I don't see them really, you know, outside of the indoors and the wake match getting a lot of, uh, a lot of competition. I mean, I think most of the rest of those matches until the big 12 is, are, you know, they're going to handle pretty easily. So, uh, so they'll get a, you know, two, maybe three decent tests before the big 12 season. Uh, but I think it's act, it's very, very possible that they come into the big 12 with, either no or one loss. Yeah, and you talk about stacking up in that Big 12 uh, because obviously for seeding purposes last year, they were able to host UCLA that helped them in the round of 16 get to that quarterfinal round. But, you know, the its opportunities are few and far between because there are only five Big 12 matches. So, Matt, uh, we know those matches will be important to Baylor. Do you see them winning this conference? How, where do you have them stacking up? Yeah, I mean, here's how I look at it, you, you know, and I'm going to assume Brooksby's there. I think they're the favorite if he's there. They get Texas in Waco. So remember, last year they're 16-0 and at home. I think it's a big advantage to play at Baylor. So they get Texas at home. If They, they win also get that, Wake Forest at home. And they get Wake Forest at home, exactly. So I, I like those matchups. I really do, especially with Jensen Brooksby. I mean, to me, Jensen Brooksby would instantly be the best player in the country, you know, just easily wow. capable of beating anybody wow. in the country. Absolutely. No question about it. No question in my mind. That is not a hot take. That's just the truth. Um, So TCU, they'd have to go on the road in the Big 12 in that matchup. But look, I like them in that matchup. I think they can beat TCU on the road. And, you know, after that, yeah, Oklahoma State and Oklahoma. Look, with Jensen Brooksby, man, I like Baylor. I think they have a good shot to win the Big 12. I really do. Chris, same question to you. Where do you have them placing in the Big 12? And uh, we'll come back to you with this as Matt, but give me the both pro-Brooksby and without Brooksby takes. Well, uh, the easy one for me is without Brooksby. Without Brooksby, they're third. Uh, so TCU and Texas both. I mean, I've got T- I've got hands down, I take T- I'm, I've said it all along, I'm taking TCU to win the Big 12. So oh, you said it right to Rodidi. It made for excellent podcast content. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I told him don't let me down. So no, I've got the <laughs> I've got TCU winning winning the Big Twelve. Texas got a big boost when they signed Spaziri for January, um, and that's a big help for them because they were really they needed an, they needed one more spot in the lineup, and, and that gave it to them. So uh, so I I would say no Brooksby for sure. I've got TCU one, Texas two, Baylor three. Now with Brooksby. I'm still taking TCU. Now now we have a battle with Texas, and I think I'll actually take Baylor to Texas three uh, if, if Brooksby's in the lineup. Now, the thing I foresee as a problem for them potentially is the other half of that Big 12 this year is it looks to be like it's going to be put down a little bit. So Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech don't look to be – uh, down from the perspective of they're not going to be given big ranking points to these guys for beating them. So if they've only got two other teams to get good points against, and then the conference, they've really got to get the rest of their points from their non-conference schedule. 
Uh, and that non-conference schedule, you know, as we kind of mentioned, Columbia, Arizona State, Illinois, Wake Forest, and that's it. Everybody, nobody else has given them given a point. So now it comes down to, hey, they they probably more than maybe a few of the other schools there need two good wins at indoors uh, to throw in there. So when you know you get up to four matches, if you make the finals, you get four. If you don't, you get three. Uh, they probably need to get two good wins at indoors just because they don't have as much opportunity outside of that to, to get those quality wins, or they're going to put that much more pressure on themselves uh, for the rest of that non-conference schedule where they're almost going to, you know, they have to beat Illinois, Arizona state Columbia, and then they're going to need, you know, either Texas or TCU in the regular season. Then again, in the big 12 tournament to really get those points. I'm going to make a couple of assumptions here, but assuming, you know, even if Brooksby's there or not, that Texas, Baylor, TCU all beat up on each other, depending on how they all do, obviously, at different points of the schedule. But there's a scenario where if a two or three seed coming into the Big 12 tournament gets to beat that other two or three seed and then beat the one t- seed in that tournament and win the Big 12 conference, that could be more beneficial for them in terms of securing a higher top 10 seed in the NCAA tournament, even more so a top eight seed. Because as you mentioned, you're right, those ranking those rankings points so few and between in a six-team conference, it makes it that much more important. Let's say Baylor's the number, you know, two or three seed, and they beat Texas again in the first uh, round of the conference, and then you know, assuming TCU is as good as you say, Chris, they beat TCU in the final. That's two huge, likely top ten wins at the end of the season uh, for whichever team is able to get them. And so you could almost make an argument, Chris, like tank yourself into the two or three seed for the Big Twelve tournament if necessary. It's it's not the only conference that works out that way, but it, it actually is uh, a very good argument and, and very possible when you've got, you know, a- any conference, really, when you end up with three really solid teams and then there's a little drop off to four that if you're in need of points, absolutely, you're better off being the two or the three if you're in need of those points, uh, because, look, you're not going to. Even if you lose that match, you're not taking much of a hit on the ranking at all for losing to one of those teams. The upside for being able to beat them and then get another match against another top five or ten team uh, is there. And, it's yeah, you get to play more tennis and you get the chance for more points. Uh, you know, being two or three, absolutely a, a not a bad deal in that conference. In other words, Matt, I think we should circle that April 11th at Oklahoma match for Baylor when Boland's going to pull an NBA like I'm resting my starters for seeding purposes, <laughs> and we should just expect that to happen. That's next-level thinking from Coach. Yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't put it past him. I don't know, though. We got, <laughs> we got a long way to go before then. We'll, we'll see. Yeah, we'll ask him about that tomorrow. Well, then the last thing I want to do, you talking about the long way to go before then. I know there's so much tennis still to be played, injuries to be had, all of these different things. But it wouldn't be a mini-break podcast if we didn't end with a few predictions. So let's start with you, Matt. Your predictions for how this Baylor team ends up on the year and your prediction, does Brooksby go or not go to the Baylor Bears? Because I feel like the two are intertwined. Yeah, they, they absolutely are. So let me start there. I do not believe Jensen Brooksby will go to Baylor. I, I just, I don't see how for him in the, in the best interests of him, I don't like that move. I don't think he should go to college. I think he should turn pro and, you know, get on with his career. Um, we've seen what he can do at that level already. He's up to 266 in the world. Um, I just don't see where college, where he's really going to benefit 
all that much from that, even if it's just a semester. I mean, if he comes in January and plays one season, I just, for me, if I was advising him, I would, I would advise him not to go. Um, so with that being said, um, I think it's going to be tough. I mean, because we mentioned those other teams, Texas, TCU. I, I don't think without Brooksby, um, they will not be in a position to host a, a Super Regional as a top eight seed. Um, so I, I would not see them making it um, to, to Oklahoma um, at NCAAs as one of the top eight teams. I just don't. I think Jensen Brooksby is the tipping point. I think he makes the difference. And if he's there, absolutely they're going to be a top eight seed because I think they're going to win the Big 12. And then they're going to be in the top eight. They're going to host that Super Regional in Waco. They'll win there. And then they're going to make it to Oklahoma and be a top eight team pushing for that final four with Jensen Brooksby. Absolutely. Um, so he makes all the difference, man. Without him, no, they don't have a shot. With him, yes, they have a shot. I think they could be a Final Four team, you know, battling for that national title. Now, there's still a couple other teams that I like better, you know, Florida, North Carolina, some of those teams. Um, but we're talking Final Four. So at that point, anything crazy could happen. I'll say this, Chris really threw a wrench in this whole process when on our first College Contender podcast he goes, man, I really love this TCU team. Like, I just feel like that threw all of us off. We're just like, oh, man, like, we really have to think about this now because I I really appreciate the way you did that, Matt, because Brooksby is the tipping point. He's the Wisconsin of this college tennis season. The way he goes could really be that legitimately impactful on the way the season goes, and so... Uh, yeah, I guess, Chris, same question to you, same context. A, does Brooksby go or not? And B, you know, what do the two scenarios look like for Baylor with and without him? Well, you know, I mean, I think there, there's, I want to say like Matt, I want to say no, because I just can't imagine in the position that he's in coming, but I'm not going to say no. I'm going to say he comes because A, right, Dave Roditi told us he needed a recruiting lesson because he heard the guy's still coming or he hasn't heard he's not coming. Right. So for those listeners that haven't heard that, you got to go listen. Great podcast with, with coach Rodidi. But I mean, he thinks he's coming. The other coaches I've all talked to, I haven't heard a single person say, no, he's not coming. Throw on top of that, that it's for Brian Boland, who's a magician at getting things like that, you know, things like that to happen. And he can easily sell them. Look, look what Borna Goyo did last year at Wake. We, he played, but he played all these pro tournaments, and 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 I'm sure that that Bolin's selling that to him that hey, you can you can come in January and we'll still find ways for you to go play challengers and and whatnot. So, I at this point I I got to say you know until we talk to Coach Bolin tomorrow I got to <laughs> say I think he's coming, and and if he's coming, uh, I say they're they absolutely they're a uh, you know they're absolutely a, a final eight team. And, I, and I'll actually go one further than Matt. I'll say even without him, I think they can make the final eight. They just, there's no way they get into the final four, but I think they can make a, a final eight, eight spot, even without him with what they've got there. Uh, and, and with coach Boland do it, doing the work, but, uh, but, and with him, uh, with him, I say, yeah, they're, they're prop. I think they make the final four, but then they, they lose out in the semis. Yeah, I think that's a really compelling case. And, you know, with Chris, as he just mentioned, I'm, we're going to have the chance to talk to Coach Bullen tomorrow about this very topic. Uh, so I'll get some more words in then. So I want to give you the final word on that, Matt, because I thought that was a pretty compelling uh, case from Chris. 
I just don't like it. I think if Jensen Brooksby shows up to Waco in January, it's a mistake. I, I, I just want to say that. I, I don't think it's in his best interest. Look, Bolin can sell him on playing the challengers or whatnot or whatever. I don't care. I just, I don't see where playing matches, you know, we talked about the schedule. How many matches are they going to have against teams that Jensen Brooksby's just going to roll people? I mean, even when they play Columbia, you know, okay, Jack Lennon, guys like that. I mean, rather, why would he rather do that than go play on tour? I mean, the guy won matches at the U.S. Open, for God's sake. I mean, he's really, really good. He's at a different level. Um, so for him personally, I hope, I hope he doesn't come because I think it, it could be a setback. I think he could take a step back in his development. Um, but if he does come, it's great for college tennis, and I'm absolutely going to love watching him play. Um, you know, it, it, that'll be awesome. But for him personally, I'm, I'm looking out for the best interests of Jensen Brooksby. Yeah, and that's the question is, look, that April 11th match against Oklahoma I joked about, does he want to be there or does he want to be competing potentially for a French Open wildcard challenge position, maybe right. in Europe competing at those challengers? That's a question that only he and his team and potentially hopefully Coach Boland tomorrow can answer for us. So we really do look forward to talking to him and finding out because if, if Brooks becomes, you know, that's one of the big what ifs heading into this season. It's what if Brooksby does or does you know does come to Baylor and what does that look like? If he doesn't, how does that affect the landscape? And as we've listed throughout this conversation, it certainly will mean a big deal to the 2020 Baylor Bears season. Um, with that in mind, a little bonus thing I didn't tell you and uh, Chris about, Matt. One last thing I want to do for you listeners, tell you guys about a new giveaway we are doing at Cracked Rackets, courtesy of our newest sponsor, Aerobar. Now, for those of you listeners who are like, oh, you know, Aerobar, that sounds familiar. That's because last week we on our Cracked Interviews podcast, we had one of the co-founders of Aerobar, Andrew Golub, come on to talk about the product. You know, for those of you who don't know, it is a tennis-focused energy bar. Uh, you know, the cliff bar on steroids. Tennis players have been looking for to eat on changeovers, fuel themselves to be properly ready for the tennis season. Uh, look, it, it established in 2014 by guys who played college tennis. Mark Aerosmith, Rob Goldberg, Andrew Golub. They know uh, the deal. They, you know, rigorous testing. It's a bunch of athletes from Steve Johnson, John Isner, all the way down who have endorsed this product, Michael Russell, Nicole Gibbs, James Blake. Uh, and it's because it's the real deal. We all know how sh- it is to eat some of those things on the changeover. You don't want to have to whip out a banana. Do you know how weird it is to have a banana peel when you're sitting on the bench and you're like, oh, like, do I throw this out? Is this guy watching me peel this banana? He's like, what's he doing here? That's awkward. You don't want to be the guy who's like, yeah, I got almonds. My mom gave me a snack in between matches. You want the real deal, and Aerobar is the real deal. Uh, coming in cinnamon, honey, oat, and chocolate chip flavors, Aerobar sources the finest all-natural ingredients, resulting in a great-tasting, energy-boosting bar. And for our listeners, they have given us our first promo code. That's CRACKED30. Uh, you can go to their website, aerobar.com. You plug in that promo code, 30% off on your purchase of Aerobars. And again, this is what you're looking for. Had Aerobar existed in the 2000s, in the aughts, I may still be playing tennis. I may, may be way better. Matt talked about how he's out of shape earlier. I promise you, his brother's good. Clearly, he's got the genes in him. Maybe if he ate more Aerobars instead of Heineken's, he'd be on the tour as well. Chris, long lost cause in the 60s. Who knows what they were doing? But for you listeners, Aerobar, uh, go check that out. And they have been kind enough to give us a signed John Isner racket as a giveaway of their way of saying thanks for bringing them onto our Cracked 
Rackets team. So for your listeners who want to be a part of that competition, leave a review on iTunes, on uh, Spotify, wherever you listen to this podcast. Leave your name, email handle, a way we can contact you, as well as a little review saying, hey, I heard about the Isner Racket giveaway. Also, I'm a big fan of the pod, but I didn't really like Chris's rhyme. It's weird that he's trying to copy Alex. You know, whatever it is you want to say, just throw that onto the comment as well. Let us know, and, you know, we will put you in that uh racket giveaway i should say we are giving bonus points if you leave a comment on the mini break the great shot podcast and the cracked interviews you know for each podcast you leave a review on your name will be entered x amount of times into this giveaway so chris matt i expect to see you guys uh leaving comments on uh on our itunes uh app i'm still trying to get the visual of of alex eating a banana out of my head (laughs) (laughs) well i don't have to anymore because i have the lovely arrow bar to give it away there you go I'll be sure to buy a couple of boxes of of arrow bars, man. I gotta get I gotta get back on track. Thanksgiving just I, I it was too big of a setback. Yeah, and look, I mean, Chris screams chocolate chip basic, but Matt, you are a cinnamon cinnamon honey oat guy, and I had the chance to try this bar over the weekend. They sent us some. They really are delicious. You know, most of these things you eat them, they're cardboard. You're like, ugh. Was this really worth it? You're like, I'm not really that good at tennis. I don't know why I'm eating this junk. <laughs> but this is just good anyways. I would eat this recreationally. I have eaten it recreationally. Uh, it, it always tastes good. So listeners, we're really excited about uh, Arrow Bar uh, hopping on as a sponsor of this podcast. And again, this is racket giveaway. Go leave a comment uh, and get yourself entered into this contest because you want yourself assigned John racket. I promise that will certainly age better than Matt, Chris, or myself have. Um, but with that in mind, Matt, we'll start with you. Any final thoughts? I don't think so, man. I think we hit on all of it. Um, get ready next week. We got your uh, Virginia Cavaliers up next, so I'm sure that'll be fun. I don't know if I can do Coach Boland and Coach Pedroso interviews in back-to-back weeks. Even on an Aerobar diet, my heart won't be able to handle it. Get ready for it. Oh, my God. Chris, any final thoughts? Yeah, I think I've, I'm actually kind of looking forward to that. We, we get back-to-back weeks of is Brooks becoming, is Nakashima coming? And the fact that that Alex didn't when when Matt when you made the claim that hands down Brooksby was the best player in college tennis, Alex was choking on his Brandon Nakashima response, and <laughs> and he, he couldn't get it out only because he knew you were just going to go Kalamazoo. I mean, let's be let's be clear. I was choking on my Andrew Fenty takes. <laughs> okay, well now now you're back to your normal crazy chokes. But, uh, <laughs> but no, yeah. I, 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 I think it'll be. Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, seeing what we get out of Baylor and whether whether Brooksby's there and uh, and and then looking forward to yeah, definitely looking forward to next week. Talk the same conversation when we get to Virginia. Yeah, absolutely. All of these fun things on the look ahead. And if you want to hear more about this College Contender Series, recap some of the other teams we've talked about, read some of Matt's articles, be sure to go check out our website, CrackedRackets.com, for the more immediate updates uh, on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. It's at Cracked Rackets. Again, this podcast, the Great Shot Podcast, the Cracked Interviews Podcast, where you can find Chris and my conversations with coaches from all the teams we've discussed. Uh, go go like, rate, subscribe, review, share with your friends. We really appreciate all of the kind words some of you guys have been sharing on social media and in the review comments over the past couple of weeks as I mentioned over Thanksgiving. I really did spend time thinking about how grateful I am to be a part now of this tenor 
tennis community uh, with the podcast we've been doing. So thank you for all of that. And of course, the thing I am most thankful for are super producers, Max Fliegner and Daniel Westoff, who, as always, have a f- of an editing job to do and continue day in, day out to bring their A-games. But with that in mind, for my lovely co-hosts, Matt the Crack Stokowiak and Chris Halioris, for our super producers, Max Fliegner and Daniel Westoff, and from our entire teams at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Matt, Chris, what do we tell the listeners? That's a break. Break. And we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.